Thank you for listening. A list of content warnings can be found in the episode description. Take care. Enjoy the show. Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series. A narrative let's play adapted and produced by Revoke GM. Combining in-game audio with additional voice acting through dialogue and descriptions to improve your listening experience. Rediscover the amazing story of the 1999 cult classic isometric video game, Planescape Torment, like you've never heard before. With the Dark Alley Shivs routed, you leave the Razor Angels to pick through what remains of their territory. Most have fled, others bow in supplication. Several defy death in rabid rage, baited by the cruelty of their adversaries. The cloudy night provides a somber cover for the anguish that now draws upon your face. You daren't look either Mort or Dacon in the eyes, and you walk in silence. Rogue's three rings bruising the palm of your clenched fist. Again, poking his head from the same charred structure, you see the wayfish fool. He beckons you over, wild glee glinting in his bright blue eyes. Did you bring? Yes, I can tell you have. The scent in the air reeks of violence and wrath. I got all the rings. Here, now take me to Aeola. Patience, new friend. I've shown it to you. Many thanks I do have, but there's still a task to do. Come, follow. I'll show you what I mean. After all, you must be intrigued following what you've seen. All right, let's go. Inside, the air is humid and thick, and the strange boozy smell stronger than before is almost overpowering. The wizards have enclosed themselves tighter about the cauldron, huffing its potent vapors, their chants having now descended into an incoherent babble. Do not come close. Remain just right here. If in me you can trust, you will have nothing to fear. What do you mean? He holds a finger to his lips, then slowly approaches the huddle. One of the robed figures turns, mid-verse, eyes closed, a sheen of sweat covering their face. Rourke then gently places each ring into the mage's cupped hands, who turns back and allows them to spill out of his fingers into the bubbling liquor. A billowing steam begins to fill the room as the chants grow louder, more frantic. The smell shifts from hot wine to a burning sulfurous stench that makes your eyes water. And what you witness next is difficult to fully comprehend. Obscured mostly by the haze, a blurry shape emerges from the cauldron with an odd chittering sound. It's not large, but the chants rapidly change to yelps of madness and terror. One of the wizards begins to flee, roaring for you to let him pass, but trips to the floor and is immediately dragged back into the thickening murk. A horrid slurping noise follows shortly after, accompanied by the euphoric laughter of your new friend Rock. You can barely see his silhouette, but his shining eyes seem to pierce through the mist. You remain still, and no threat seems to come your way. The sounds subside, and the cloud disperses, revealing Rock, now bouncing in quiet hysterics, the gently bubbling cauldron, 
five robes laid in empty piles on the ground, and a strange green insect-like creature about the size of a small dog. It chirps almost sweetly, and its face is mostly taken up by two large benign and watery eyes. It shifts its focus to you and smiles, showing a neat row of fangs, each about the length of one of your fingers. <laughs> oh, oh, the old ones are gone, but I won't mourn nor sing. Rock always makes new friends, one such as you and this little green thing. This is absolutely insane. What just happened? Let us not ask questions when the answers are best left unknown. Instead, we'll talk of rewards to whose worthiness you've shown. But first, I grow tired of this unsightly charade. I think it's time I returned to form and shared this image I've made. As his rhyme concludes, he stretches out his arms and with a great yawning sigh sheds his visage like a veil of cloth, gently cascading down his shoulders, disappearing before it touches the ground. And standing where Rourke once was, you see a tall, muscular man with elegant features his bright, icy blue eyes alight with joy and pride. Oh, that's much better. W nice to see you as, well, me, I, I suppose. W w who, who are you? Aeola, of course. I, I am he who you were looking for, am I not? Well, y yes, and I figured, but why? Why not? That, that's not an answer. Well, it's my answer. I, I'm, I'm sorry, friend. I, I, I thought you'd be impressed. I, I even changed my voice. I, I spoke in rhyme. Wh what? I, 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 I see I was mistaken. For a moment, he looks almost as confused as you feel right now. Well, never mind. Let us not dwell on this. <clears throat> you came seeking me and did all that I asked. I owe it to you at least to, to hear what you would need. I, I, I was told you would be able to help me get rid of this box. Uh, Marador's box. It's said to have a powerful fiend trapped inside that if opened will hunt whoever currently owns it. Aeola seems to consider things for a moment hmm. and then speaks to you. I, a humble disciple to the great Aeoscar, can indeed help you. First, you must relinquish the box to me. Mm -hmm. A respectful payment for the task you have done. <sighs> Hesitantly, you hand him the box. Aeola then snaps his fingers and traces several lines through the air, creating a small pyramid of light. He then proceeds to place the box within the pyramid and mutters a short prayer to Aeoscar. The familiar shimmering of a portal soon fills in each triangular face, and Aeola then casually reaches through and flips open Morador's box. You scream in an attempt to stop him, but are too late. Almost instantly, it begins to disintegrate into a sickly cloud of dust that fills the pyramid. A feeling of immense dread falls upon the room, and it is all you can do to keep yourself from bolting. But remaining in place, you notice that as the tendrils of smoke touch the sides of the pyramid, they are drawn into the swirling vortex of the portals. And as the last tendril disappears, so too does the feeling of dread. The pyramid of light collapses, with the box's ruby clattering to the ground, and Aeola smiles a bit nervously at you. Ah, uh, <laughs> well, witness the power of Aeoscar, the keeper of gateways. I, I, I'm sure a fiend of such power that it required so many spells to contain it will have no problem making its way back here, and when it does, it's going to be looking for you. 
<laughs> oh, oh, I've taken that into consideration. You see, each side of the pyramid contained a portal to a different plane. In effect, I scattered its essence far and wide across the multiverse. Did you know there are races out there that consider demons a sort of delicacy? Well, thank you. I mean, I mean, I wasn't sure how I'd be rid of it. He begins to chuckle softly as he reaches down and takes up the ruby before handing it to you. <clears throat> uh, here, further payment for your services. Or, or better yet, consider it a gift from a dear friend. Who are you? It is I, Aeola. The dutiful disciple to the great Eoskar. Eoskar? Well, that was a god, right? One of the powers. Eoskar is the keeper of gateways. Within Eoskar lies the power of portals, doorways, and opportunity. Sigil, also known as the City of Doors, used to be the home of Eoskar until he was cast out by the Lady of Pain. Now, there are, the, the, well, there are very few worshippers to Eoskar here because she forbids it. But that will soon change, however, as I help the people to see the greatness of Eoskar. Not even she can stand against the will of the people. Why are there so few? Well, over the years, I, well, I've had many disciples. Unfortunately, they all disappeared. It, 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 it's quite frustrating, actually. As soon as they become initiates, I never see them again. Lately, there has been a rumor going around that the lady herself is the cause. N now, no one comes by anymore. You are the first soul I've seen stop by in a long while. Oh, uh, barring them, of course. <laughs> he gestures to the five robes piled behind him. Unworthy fools, all. Well, I don't imagine many people come through the alley these days. Right you are. Although, I do feel a shift of balance. Fewer minds vying for control. I think I like it this way. Right. Well, I should be going. Thank you. I... I have no idea what I just saw, nor do I. <laughs> and with a wink, he picks up the chirping creature and disappears. Chief, I'm, I'm gonna step in here, uh, figuratively. It's time we left this place, okay? I concur. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I am. This has not been a good day. No. No, it has not. Relieved to be free from the horrors of the alley, you return to the comparative peace and somewhat more open streets of the hive. But with the gem from Morador's box now in your hand, there's little joy to be found in this victory. What choice did you have? At which point could you have stopped and said no? Is there any way things could have been different? Few answers come to mind, and none of them bring any peace. But as if in some twisted joke of fate, as you tread the cobbles deep in thought, you hear a familiar voice echoing from an alcove on the street. Nestled in a bundle of blankets, you see the very same man from this morning, Ma, who asked you to deliver the box. His eyes take on a wild look as he sees you approach. Oh, what you be doing here? Oh, I said deliver the box. Yeah, You don't still have it, do you? No. I got rid of the box. Uh, he clutches at his uh, chest as if in uh, great pain, uh, but a broken-toothed smile spreads uh, across his face. Oh, it does me heart good to hear you say that. Now, now, before you kills me for the horrible deed of tricking you into taking that box, please, please, let me try and explain. I'm listening. 
Oh. Explain yourself. Oh, well, well, the long and short of it be that the box has been around long as anyone can remember. Chant, chant is some folks were fighting, and, and then when they was done, a huge demon was imprisoned inside the box. Others say an evil wizard made it just for seeing others suffer. No, no one rightly knows what the truth behind the box be, but, but the owner of the box would have died should it have been open. Why didn't the first owner just put the box where no one could find it? Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> seems it would have been as simple as that, but, but who among us could live with a death sentence lingering over their head? To drive any sane man over the edge, having to worry about the whereabouts of the damnable box all the times? <sighs> Why me? Oh, oh well, first... I- I haven't seen you around here before. You, you see, I, I needed a clueless Burke such as yourself to accept the box and, and become the new owner. <laughs> Everyone's round here knows not to take it, not for any price. Secondly, I, if you didn't examine the box when you had it, you may not have noticed that whatever magics were placed on it were weakening. With, with me being the current owner and all, you, you, you can see I needed to pass it on right quickly. <laughs> Besides, if anyone looked ready to pass on to the next realm, it, it was you. You want to talk about passing on to the next realm? <laughs> well, keep talking or you'll find out uh, about it. <laughs> I will. Obviously, I've picked a cutter. <laughs> no small means. Surely this has been but a minor inconvenience to one such as you. I, I offer this weapon and some jink to line your purse as a reward for your troubles. He unwraps a bolt of cloth and lifts up a simple yet elegant-looking axe. It is all I own, and coincidentally, it was what that rat Kuatra used to get me to take possession of the box myself. Mar is not a large man, but hands you the weapon with relative ease, and when it passes into your grip, you find that it is almost as light as any small blade you've held before, and its edge is frighteningly sharp. <laughs> Keep your coin. I won't say no to the axe, though. <laughs> oh, oh, of course. I, I, thank you, Cutter. A, a truer blood than there was. What will you do now? Uh, uh, why? Uh, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, you need no longer worry about the box, nor who has it. Uh, uh, I? You've coin enough to keep a roof over your head. What will you do? <laughs> I, well, well, I suppose I hadn't thought about it yet. <laughs> Old habits and all that, eh? Well, you should. What was the point in all this if nothing changes? Well, sometimes there isn't a point, Cutter. We're in Sigil. I, I exist. That is all. I refuse to accept that. Take care of yourself, Mar. With only a few hours of darkness remaining, the three of you head back towards Arlo's flophouse. But with the events of the day racing through your mind, you are certain there'll be no rest for you right now. You're not coming inside, Chief? No, I, I think I'll keep walking for a bit. You two go ahead. If it's privacy you want, you need only ask. Thank you. Yeah, I... I think that's what I want. All right. Good. Uh, suit yourself. 
Don't have too much fun without us. Alright, I'll do my best. You walk for another hour or so, the twinkling lights from faraway wards above drawing your mind to the vastness of the city around you. You cannot help but feel wonder at this strange and confusing sigil. It has been but barely a week since you awoke in the mortuary, and you have seen and felt more than you could imagine was possible. Uh. Day 7. Hour. 5 after any peak. Um. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with the events of the last day. <laughs> Fleeing from a guardian spirit? <laughs> Waking up trapped by some arachnophilic psychopath? Being forced to make decisions that change and end other people's lives. I'm, I'm not even sure if I did make any decisions. Things keep happening that, that I have no control over. Yet I seem to play an integral part in their deliverance. It, it cannot mean nothing. I... I refuse to accept that there's no point in all of this. But I have no control. I, I, I have no idea who I am or what I'm doing here. People see me and, and they see some past that had, had nothing to do with what I am now. But I don't think that ignoring that past will make it go away. You cannot have control over something that you do not understand, and, and while that may be okay, if I do not understand what other people see when they look at me, I will never have control of myself. I'll never... I'll, I'll, I'll never... You finish up writing in your journal. Some thoughts too broad and unformed to be properly put into words right now, and continue walking the streets until a pale light fills the sigil sky. As promised, you return to Shalandra's kip with news of your success in ridding the curse of Morador's box, and while sad that you could not save the box itself, she gladly accepts the ruby once mounted upon it, even sharing some of her spells for your book in payment. Leaving her home, you find yourself amongst the market on Powers Row as it sets up for the day's trade. Workers jostle crates of goods to their stalls. Eager shoppers arrive early, hoping to find the choicest picks before competition gets too high. And setting up a small trestle table draped with a plain black cloth, you see a thin yellow-skinned humanoid covered with a variety of dazzling tattoos. Another Gitsurai. His eyebrows have been accented with black charcoal lines, and his teeth are filed to points. He sees you and waves you over, rattling a set of dice in his hand. A gale greets you. You... you have... you've come to play a game, yes? All right, show me how to play. Gale reaches into his tunic and pulls out a coin. Well, this coin... your coin... He places it at your feet and pulls out another. This coin... He places this coin at his own feet, then holds up two dice between his thumb and index finger. The dice? 
We both roll one, yes? Sure, go on. You roll higher? Both coins, yours. Gale will roll higher? Mine. Neither rolls higher? The coin stays for another roll. So, how much coin will lie at your feet? How about this? You place a hefty pouch of coins in front of him, and he smirks. <laughs> I am humbled by your offer, but, 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 but this is the first hand of the day. I cannot match your confidence. <laughs> Instead, you take out ten copper pieces as your stake, which he gladly matches. You both roll the dice for several rounds, earning back approximately as much as you had lost, before Geowa stops and nods, frowning. It is enough. For now. But perhaps we shall play again later, you and I. Wait. Is something wrong? Geowa regards you closely for a moment, then nods. Never do I indulge in Hashma's folly. Never do I cheat, human. But I see fortune, read it, know it in the face of another. However you, in you I see nothing. I, I know nothing. You, you have no luck, no fortune, neither good nor ill. You make your own, perhaps. I, I do not know. He places his dice back into his tunic. We might play later, perhaps, but no more this moment. All right. Farewell. A little stunned by the gambling Githzerai's proclamation, you continue to wander about the market and see the strange squat figure of Requind, the storyteller. He spots you as you approach, bobbing his head eagerly and staring at you with his huge eyes as you near him. You are again struck by the smell of urine and feces that surrounds him. Greetings, Freak Wind. Greetings. Greetings. Do you have any more stories for me? I tell you a story, I can. I will. But you know the rules. Three coppers must I see. He takes the copper and raises it to his mouth, gums each coin carefully, then, to your surprise, places all three on his tongue and swallows. <clears throat> Best purse. Best purse there is, Belly. Belly. A story. A story. But which one? He smacks his lips, scratching his dirty rags. I want to hear the story of the man who came to this city without a name, memory, and spoke with the cursed storyteller who warned him of the danger of names. Requin stops twitching and scratching for a moment and stares at you. That tale? Oh, that tale costs nothing. For it is worth nothing. And it is worth noting that it would be a sad tale indeed. Nevertheless, I would hear it. Well, where would such a tale begin? Requin grunts, then gives a reeking <laughs> wheeze that makes your eyes tear up. He seems to be thinking. It would begin with a man waking up in the mortuary, believed dead. But in truth, only his memories are dead. Requin nods, then studies you and starts scratching himself more violently, as if to give himself scars. Dead. But not dead. No memories. No memories. No name. He escapes the mortuary, 
enters the hive and speaks to a man who let his true name slip once and has regretted it since. Yes. Yes. Much danger in naming. Perhaps. Perhaps the man to whom the nameless one speaks is a warning to the danger of names. Perhaps he who has forgotten his name is better off, is he? Is it better to suffer the truth with all its consequences? Or is it better to remain ignorant? Which of the two men is better off? <laughs> it is your question. Your tale. He speaks slowly. It is you who must answer it. Where a named man moves, he is followed. When a nameless one moves, his name leaves no trail. He is protected against those that would do him harm, including himself. But the man who knows his true name is better off, for he knows himself and is stronger for it. That is a tale. A tale with a moral that tells the teller's morals. A tale that will answer itself in time. In time. It must have an answer. And every tale has an ending. I will refuse to accept it any other way. Requin scratches himself for a moment, nodding, then reaches into the folds of his robe and flicks you a coin. For such a tale, a clipped copper, he sneers. No more, for the tale's not finished yet. Not yet. <laughs> a fair price. Farewell, Requind. I will see you again. Thank you for listening to Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series, a Revoca GM production. To support the show and those involved, please consider subscribing to our Patreon or donating via our Ko-fi page. Links to both are in the description. better after a little peace and quiet? <laughs> sure. What did you get up to? Oh, just walked around, try to clear my head, organize my thoughts, you know, updated my journal. <laughs>